my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we're talking about Bitcoin. Of course, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, this decentralized revolution that we are going through right now. It's the most important part of your week, tuning in and listening as I keep you caught up on what is going on so you can have the strongholds, strong hands to hold through these market dips that we're having. Uh, today, I'm joined in the studio by Natalie Brunel. You can find her on Twitter at Nat Brunel. That's with two L's. And uh, we thought we'd just talk about some of the news. Nat, thanks so much for joining. Thanks, Mark, for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, so you know, it's uh, as as almost every week, it's pretty eventful in the Bitcoin space. Things are happening really quick. Lots of news headlines are going on, but there's something bigger than just this week that uh, I've been seeing. And and big news broke out this week, and turning to be one of my favorite places in the world right now, El Salvador. And uh, this news article came out that says uh, El Salvador plans to be the first Bitcoin city backed by Bitcoin loan, Bitcoin bonds. And it says that the city, the president of El Salvador planned the city um, in the eastern region of La Union, which would get geothermal power from a volcano and not levy any taxes on the people except for a value added tax. 
And so basically the president's saying, invest here, you know, make all the money that you want, uh, keep it all. And, um, you know, he went on to say that he thinks this is going to make El Salvador the financial center of the world. And uh, I think we're witnessing game theory in action. I love to see this. In my opinion, I've been talking about this for a long time. I think it's I think it's very evident that the world is trending towards authoritarianism, uh, more more uh, oppression from all around, from a global minimum tax to surveillance technology, et cetera. And I've been saying the only thing I believe that breaks that trend of moving towards authoritarianism is competition. And so when states start to compete for each other and are forced to think of you as a customer, um, we'll get better service, better products, better pricing. But when nations start competing, it's like a whole nother level. I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, I totally agree. And it's interesting that you even talk about authoritarian governments because there are critics out there who say that President Nayib Bukele is a dictator. And here he is promoting a currency that he will never be able to manipulate or control, right? And Although I know that some people had a gag reflex with just the presentation of El Salvador, I personally didn't mind it. But I mean, it was amazing to witness him just presenting this idea of a Bitcoin city, 0% capital gains tax, 0% property tax, right? Everything is funded by these bonds that I think are very innovative and, um, and, the, and a 10% flat sales tax, which I think will you know, attract entrepreneurs, attract innovation. And they're planning on having it in the Gulf of Fonseca, right around that volcano that they plan to harness for power. They're going to build the energy infrastructure around it. And I think, you know, once again, we have the chance for mining to really spur innovation in green energy. And then hopefully, you know, these bonds will make some folks a lot of money. It seems like um, Blockstream is already having a lot of interest from pe people from the whales to, to enter this space. So it's a really great announcement. Yeah, I just think, I mean, if, I, I like to look at these like little changes that we have today. Like uh, like if you watch a movie, like uh, they go back in time and like, oh, don't touch anything because if you move one thing, it could have this massive impact on the future. And so when I look at this and I just think about how big this can be. So like um, we're both from California, um, California and New York were competing to be the strictest under the lockdowns and Texas and Florida outcompeted them. And most of Wall Street moved to Florida. Uh, a lot of Silicon Valley has moved to Texas. Um, I went to Puerto Rico. Uh, they gave me better business structure. And so I took it. And so it's that competition loop. And as you kind of pointed out, right, he's brought all these people there that can come start businesses, have no cap gains tax, no income tax, no property tax. Like that's going to attract a lot of people versus um, like California is like, well, we're just going to increase property since, since, since all the rich people left, let's increase property taxes on people that are there. Like it's like, it's a pretty stark, uh, difference, I think. Oh yeah. By the way, I think the jobs numbers came out and, and California is like 50th. I mean, they brag about the economy here in California and yet we're, we're, we're coming in last place, <laughs> um, yeah. but you're absolutely right. And I love seeing the politicians in the United States as well, sort of competing for this. We have both the new mayor of New York, Eric Adams, as well as Mayor Francis Suarez in Miami, both saying we want this city to be the hub. We want it to be the center for crypto and for this type of business. And so I think it's going to spur a lot of um, entrepreneurs and, and a lot of, you know, maybe people just moving out there. I mean, I'm certainly considering moving myself to a place that's a little bit more friendly in terms of taxes and just the, the spirit of this ecosystem and what it stands for. And I was really excited about the, the yeah. El Salvador news. And I hope I hope more countries go in this direction. You know that something you said there, like the spirit of what it stands for, right? So if you think about it, like, um, I, I don't know if you agree, but like from my standpoint, it's like 
I've been to El Salvador uh, many times. I spent a lot of time in Central America surfing, <laughs> mostly surfing, but I've been down there and worked with Bitcoin Beach as well. And, um, you know, while America is better uh, in terms of you have, you know, more modern um, things and conveniences, all those things, there's this spirit, there's this air of things in decline. Um, versus if you go down to El Salvador, which is a very poor country, it's like 107 on GDP, um, and there's not the conveniences that you would typically have, but the air, the spirit is like optimism. It's like hope. And I think that makes a big difference, just that. I completely agree with you. And it's so funny because I swear, like right now, I think a lot of people are living on this false sort of high of the stimulus. And, you know, we have this massive, in my opinion, asset bubble in the stock market. Housing prices are through the roof, you know, rents are, are skyrocketing. And, you know, people got their their stimulus checks and there was sort of this idea that, oh, people's saving rates are up, people are spending money again. I think all of this is just imaginary wealth. I, I think it's it's fake. We are so leveraged. We are in such a big bubble and it has to crash at some point. Uh, yet we have the government sort of outlawing any sort of correction in the market, right? Because they're just going to initiate more printing to save it, to keep propping up what they've created. And we're in this fascinating place where I think the average person knows that something's off. Like, I don't, I don't know that they necessarily maybe expect to crash because I think they already assume the government's going to come and rescue them. But there's this general feeling of like, why, you know, we haven't even recovered from the pandemic. Our economy's not back in action. There's a ton of jobs that haven't been filled. People are still at home. Businesses have been shuttered. Yet we have all-time highs in the stock market. Like something's off. It's, it's so, it feels like a video game that we're watching sometimes. An another thing is back to that spirit. So he, Bukele says, uh, quote, invest here and make all the money you want, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. in America, we're basically trying to penalize the rich. We're trying to victim or villainize the rich, right? Uh, mm -hmm. If you make more money, you have to give up more of your wealth. How dare you have yeah. that? And he says, invest here and make all the money that you want. And so um, I think that's cool. And then I also like... Um, by leveraging something like uh, Bitcoin, then they can go into like no no property tax, no income tax, um, and then just leverage it off of like a sales tax, which I which mm -hmm. I like. It's like a consumption tax. So you yeah. pay for you pay for what you use. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And that's how our country used to be when we were on sort of that tariff system before we initiated the income tax back in 1913, which was for a very small percentage of the population. I, I would imagine that people would never have voted in an income tax if they knew that eventually it would hit like, you know, all of the middle class and sort of strangle the people that are in the middle saving and 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 having day jobs that are enough to pay for for anything. But I totally agree with you. And it's some, I thought of something when the whole El Salvador thing happened. I was on the Twitter spaces that Nick Carter put on where um, they were actually voting for Bitcoin to be legal tender. And it was it was I don't know if you were on this, Mark, but it was such a, a, an amazing energy filled Twitter spaces where we had this millennial president, you know, talking in real time to a bunch of people across the world who are big Bitcoiners yeah. while the, the, you know, the elected officials are voting on this in real time. We could hear the cheers in the background. And he said something that I remember where he was like, when I was young, there was a lot of hope when I thought about the future that mm. I would look in, into the future and there was, I would imagine spaceships, you know, and we're all traveling in like spaceships and it's like technology is, you know, has taken over the world and everything is sort of riding on this, on, on these rails that are, are innovative and I, I don't know, just prosperous. Yeah. There's pros there's prosperity and technological innovation. And when he got older, it was like the future is filled of filled of filled with uncertainty and there's instability in, in the nation and 
Like how much has changed since he was little and he's hoping to bring back some of that hope through this decision. And I think that that was, that was really interesting to me. Yeah, that's great. You're listening to the Mark Moss show. I'm on with Natalie Brunel. I want to come back and tell you more about El Salvador. Uh, We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. You are listening to the Mark Moss show and we're talking about Bitcoin. Of course, we're talking about cryptocurrencies and we're talking about this decentralized revolution that's changing the world. I'm in the studio right now with Natalie Brunel. You can find her on Twitter at Nat Brunel. And we're talking about something that's going to change the whole face of the world. We're literally talking about something that big and we're talking about what El Salvador is doing um, to make this Bitcoin city. Um, another thing that I was thinking about, Natalie, is that um, in order to build this Bitcoin city, they are going to power it with a volcano. And if you think about this for a second, so like um, if you look at, you know, throughout history, all the wealth of nations came from um, the nation having natural resources. So water, gold, oil, things like that. And um Typically, the nations that had the more natural resources were more wealthy. And El Salvador, being ranked 107 on GDP, they don't have any natural resources. They have like coconuts, and like that's kind of it. Um, but they have this volcano, and like, so what? Like, what's a volcano worth, right? And it's like, well, the volcano has heat, and okay, well, the heat can make electricity, okay, but you can't ship electricity. You can't even move it to the rest of the country. It's only there locally, so it's no good. And now they can mine Bitcoin with it. And they can use that energy to power the city because it's local. And then they could use the money from that Bitcoin to pay for the city, which is why they don't have to levy so much taxes on it. And so that's big, right? But then like, think about it like, um, how could this reshape the world? Because um, as a surfer, I've traveled all over the world surfing. I love to go through the South Pacific. And the South Pacific, you have all these little atolls with volcanoes all these little islands that have no natural resources, but they have volcanoes. And like, this could probably redraw the entire power structure of the world. Yeah, I think it's something that's so amazing and exciting. It's crazy to think that this was kind of thrown out as an idea by Max Kaiser. I don't know if you you saw that, but he was the one that first, I believe, suggested volcano bonds. And I think it's fantastic. I mean, I think this was a really creative idea to basically structure the bonds in such a way that 500 million will be used to actually build that energy infrastructure. And then the other 500 will be used to buy the Bitcoins that will finance, you know, people getting their, their yield on this. My one question is, you know, what's going to happen when they plan to sell some of their Bitcoins? Cause I, I don't know if you read part of that, but they yeah. eventually will, will sell so that they can pay dividends to the people who own these bonds. And I don't know how that would affect the, the market, but I mean, think about how just creative and, progressive you have to be as an elected official to do something that's never been done like this and all for the benefit hopefully of tapping into a natural resource like your your volcano yeah. which now could be used to power you know mining efforts it's just yeah. it's just incredible to me well, and think about it from a different level too so um the world's drowning in debt since we got off the gold standard 50 yeah. years ago in august we've come up with a, over 300 trillion dollars worth of debt when a nation wants to take on debt they issue a bond and so people buy that bond and you're supposed to when you buy the bond you're loaning the money you're supposed to get interest well half of the sovereign bonds today are negative yielding so we have about 18 trillion dollars of bonds that actually 
don't pay you. You actually have to pay them to loan them your money, which makes yeah. no sense. Only in a world of free money would you have that. Um, so half the half the bonds are paying nothing. And even in the United States, it's you know 10 years, whatever, one and a half percent today, but inflation is over six. So you're still losing money even on that. And so you have all this money that doesn't know where to go, and it's going into negative yielding bonds. And now they come out with a bond mm-hmm. at six and a half percent, which is like- yep pretty big compared to everybody else. So like they're out competing again, back to that kind of competition thing. So to your point, they're raising a billion dollars. Half of it goes to build out the the, the energy, the mm-hmm. mining, the facility, and then half of it goes to buy Bitcoin directly. Um, what they're saying is they're going to lock it up for five years and they'll pay mm-hmm. the six and a half percent. And then kind of to your point, um, they'll start selling the Bitcoin after year five to start paying additional on that okay. um, based off of Blockstream numbers, which um, I'm a big Bitcoin bull. Uh, they're a little bit bullish even for me. Um, they're saying, you know, Bitcoin hitting a price yeah. of a million dollars in like five years, which I think is a little bit aggressive. I think 500,000 in five years is probably realistic, but who, who knows? Um, but anyway, um, then they'll start selling it and they say the bonds could pay up to 146% depending on what Bitcoin's performance right. is. And so what, like 18 trillion, $18 trillion of bonds are negative yielding. And here you could potentially <laughs> yeah. make up to 150%. I know, exactly. And it was really interesting because I saw Samson Mao on an interview with Bloomberg and the reporter was pressing him because actually El Salvador's bond right now pays a yield of 13%. Right. So she's like, why would anyone choose the 6.5? And it's like, no, 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 you're not seeing the bigger picture. And and that's where you do. You have to believe in this technology. You have to be super bullish because the, the estimates are based on those future price you know, predictions. And it's kind of sad because right now we're looking at the stock to flow, right? And we're kind of like, what's going on? Why aren't we at that level? We should be at yeah. the six figure mark already. But I do have faith that that we will get there and and we'll see how these bonds pay off. Yeah. And if you look at if you look at this too, it's no different than what Michael Saylor's done with MicroStrategy. Mm-hmm. He's done several of these. Um, now we, in the last two weeks or so, I think we've seen at least four or five publicly traded Bitcoin mining companies do the same thing, mm-hmm. issue bonds, to go buy Bitcoin. So Michael's, you know, MicroStrategy has done it a couple of times and they're oversubscribed every time. You know, they've done a billion dollars. Um, all these Bitcoin companies have done hundreds of millions of dollars each. So we've seen billions of dollars of appetite for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have no doubt they'll fill this up pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I agree. And so- I think that it just anything that provides more of these on-ramps onto this sort of highway of getting into Bitcoin, especially institutions that maybe are not able to own Bitcoin directly, these bonds and, and the ETFs that were passed a couple of weeks ago, all of these are pathways for more adoption, which I think is is so incredibly important. Yeah. You mentioned uh, earlier, you know, about the politics side and some people call him a dictator. Uh, I think he even, I don't know, maybe joking around on Twitter changed, you know, said, called himself the dictator or something like that. Um, I don't know enough of the politics to really get involved or put my opinion into that. Um, I try to, you know, judge a person as, as I, as I learn about them and based off of what I've been seeing, I haven't really seen that. So I'm not sure where all the gripe is on that. Yeah, I haven't either. You know, I'm I'm sure that there are more um, nuances that maybe we're not, we're not familiar with, especially not living in El Salvador. But I do think that once again, you have to give someone credit for embracing a technology that it, he will never be able to control as a government or as you know a treasury. It, this is something that's by the people for the people. It's completely organic. It's not venture capital backed. I just think that you know by moving in this direction it's a net positive, especially for a country that has been dealing with so many debt issues. It's like, why not try something outside of the box? 
why not? Yeah. What, what do you have to lose at this point? So I think it's great. I mean, people obviously are still able to transact in U.S. dollars. But I think if Bitcoin's headed in the direction we expect, this will be very, very powerful as a tool yeah. for allowing prosperity and for, you know, wealth accumulation in El Salvador. Yeah, I, I've just been saying, I think that, you know, Bitcoin is apolitical. Bitcoin mm -hmm. isn't for one political party or another. It's not for one um, economic system or another. It's just apolitical. It's just a tool. So whatever happens, um, you know, if if for some reason he turns out to be a bad actor and tries to do something nefarious, like don't assign that to Bitcoin. That's not Bitcoin's fault. Um, you know, if he if he does something bad, we'll have to kind of look at that separately. So I do want people to at least make that distinction that it's not this uh, political tool. Um, by the way, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. If you haven't figured it out already, we're talking about uh, crypto currencies in this decentralized revolution. I'm in the studio with Natalie Brunel. You can find her at Nat Brunel on Twitter. Send her a message and say hi. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about um, some other game theory that's going on between nations, um, but maybe in the opposite direction. So don't go away. We'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we're here talking about Bitcoin, and we're talking about cryptocurrencies, and we're talking about the decentralized revolution that's literally changing the entire world. It's going to change the way humanity works. We're witnessing it all happening right now. I know that the world is scary, and I know there's a lot of bad things going on. Trust me, I see it. But there's also some amazing things happening and history books are going to be written about this time and place. And that's what we're talking about right now. Hopefully you can see how big that is. I'm in the studio with my uh, friend, Natalie Brunel. You can find her at Nat Brunel. Of course, I'm one Mark Moss. That's the number one Mark Moss. Um, before the break, we were talking about how El Salvador is really ramping up the game theory by opening up their country. They've removed all mandates and restrictions on the health type stuff. Um, they've opened it up for business. They're allowing um, investment and business to come in. They're not charging them any sales tax or property tax. I mean, they're basically just saying, we're going to outcompete everybody, come and get us, and just opening everything up, which I love. On the other side of that, which is pretty interesting to see play out in real time, we have India. And so India this week um, came out and said that they want to bar crypto transactions, but still permit holding assets. So they said that they want to um, they bar the use of cryptocurrencies for transactions or making payments, but allow them to be held as assets like gold, stock shares, or bonds. And they said that this approach would avoid implementing a complete ban because people could still get access to it. Um, and, the, and the prime minister said that they were doing this because they were concerned um, that unregulated crypto markets could become avenues for money laundering and terror financing. Uh, they haven't finalized the details of the bill, but that's kind of where it's at. So it's like one country is saying, hey, we're going to let you entrepreneurs come build um, do what you want. The other side is like, hey, we're not going to allow you to do what you want with your own money. I mean, that's a pretty stark difference, right, Nat? Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like, you know, India is probably taking sort of the majority standpoint of seeing all of this as a threat and wanting to maintain their prerogative on the power over money and, and how people transact and who controls the tender. So I think it's really interesting there. It seems like they're trying to find this middle ground where people can have it as sort of an asset the way they do with gold and gosh, I mean, India for, for so long, I think, I think gold is one of, I, I don't, I probably don't know of many countries that honor and love gold more than India. I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I do think it's really interesting that they're so threatened by this type of technology, as opposed to allowing it to, you know, potentially lift up communities. Uh, obviously, much of India is so impoverished, this could be something that's very, very helpful, but looks like the central bank doesn't really understand the technology or doesn't want to embrace it. Well, I think, I mean, I think they do. And so I actually think, um, unlike China, which did a complete outright ban, it almost looks like what India has done here is gone, well, shoot. Um, on one hand, we recognize that this tool could be used to and get out of our control. But we also recognize that um, if we ban it, we don't stop the technology. We just stop our people from participating or profiting in it. So what we'll do is we'll still allow them to profit from it um, on a dollar basis, but they can't own it. So it's almost like they do recognize the potential um, that they're afraid of, but also that they don't want to ban their people. So they're at least letting them participate like, you know, in the price action, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it just it's interesting because I feel like everything is still lumped together, right? Cryptocurrencies are not all the same. Bitcoin is not crypto. And and I think that when you don't make this type of 
um, you don't distinguish between them and you don't maybe acknowledge the differences of Bitcoin between some of the other technology projects that are out there and other coins. I think that that, that really says something. Um, and, you know, I just in, in India, I think that there are a lot of issues that could potentially be solved by Bitcoin and hopefully they will allow users to, to get, have access to this, to, to the blockchain. But, you know, yeah. I think that we have to wait and see. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's like, you know, as I said, right, the government could ban their their people, their citizens from using it, but they can't mm -hmm. stop it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, in the United States, obviously, gold, I mean, um, uh, drugs have been illegal for a long time. And, and drugs have to be grown and cultivated and packaged and shipped and processed and smuggled and distributed, all those things. They can't even stop that. Um, but also, when they come out and tell you that, hey, you don't have, you shouldn't do drugs, um, it doesn't make you want to go do them. Because mm -hmm. um, you know they're not they're not, not good for you, right? Um, but when they tell you you don't have the right to hold your wealth in a way that we can't inflate and steal mm -hmm. and uh, regulate, it kind of makes you want to do that. And mm -hmm. so I think I think it does more for the marketing than uh, than not. Almost kind of proves the case. Yeah, well, and they're really stoking fears, right? By saying that this is linked to money laundering and terror financing. And I think yeah. all of that makes people a little bit anxious and worried. And I, I, you know, I think that India is very modern in many ways, but there's still very much a caste system. And so I would be interested to know what it's like to be in India and hearing about this from the news sources that are out there, because I, I think we're getting a different narrative and different headlines than maybe people in India are themselves. I love that that headline. Of course, it's always the worst fear, like, oh, it's going to you know, fund terrorism and, uh, you know, money laundering. And it's like those FinCEN files came out, whatever, eight, nine months ago. And it yeah. was like the banks have laundered like two trillion dollars, mm -hmm. like the banking system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you're worried about like the little hundreds of millions of dollars over here, like literally like two trillion dollars have gone through the banks. I think that's more for shock value than probably what they're really concerned about. Well, I think it's amazing, too, that right now they're acknowledging that this one trillion market cap asset is such a threat, right? It could destabilize nations. And just, you know, not even 10 years ago, it was seven years ago, it was just Internet funny money Ponzi scheme scam. Now it can suddenly bring down nations on a national security level. It's just it's so interesting to see the evolution. I think adoption is inevitable. I think these are just this is there's volatility in the acceptance, just as there's volatility in, in the price. And I, I think the next couple of years will be crucial. And I personally think the pandemic did a lot to help not only put a spotlight on on Bitcoin, but really show the value proposition. Right. We are now exponentially money printing all across the world in order to sort of, you know, put a bandaid over what what the pan pandemic exposed. I, I think we already had problems before the pandemic. I think it exposed those nerve endings and we need a fix and that fixes Bitcoin. And I think a lot of people saw that light in the last year. Yeah. I, uh, I, I did a, I did a video explaining what's known as the Mundell Fleming trilemma. So you have basically a dilemma is choose one, one or the other trilemma is you have three and any nation that, uh, they have three things. And so one is controlling their interest rates. Two is controlling the mon money supply. And third is controlling their capital inflows and outflows. And so Obviously, if they bring interest rates to zero and they inflate the money supply, then capital is not going to want to come in and most of the capital is going to want to leave. And so that's the that's the trilemma that they're stuck with. And I was doing this in regards to when China banned it. And so China wants to manipulate the interest rates in their money supply, but then 
capital wants to leave into cryptocurrency as that lifeboat, so then they ban it, right? They take away that option. And so, you know, in this day and age, which, you know, now with this, you know, all this green infrastructure spending they want to do, $150 trillion or whatever, um, they're going to have to just keep printing more money and they can't raise interest rates. And so people are going to want to leave um, and they don't want to do that. They want to seal off the exits or take away, take away the lifeboats. Yeah, no, I mean, it's crazy to think that they're basically stuck between a rock and a hard place because of the consequences of the money printing and going off the gold standard over the last several decades. And now literally it's either do what's right, the, the painful medicine, hike interest rates, taper and allow this thing to crash. And boy, would that be a, a bad crash or basically move into the direction of more and more inflation, which just debases the dollar, steals from the people in the middle, steals from the savers, steals from the income earners who aren't in assets. It's it's really sad, the position we're in. And it's it's amazing to me that Bitcoin kind of provides that life raft. Like that's yeah. what's so that's what's so inspiring to me. Yeah, it's like uh, like a drug addict, you know, you, if you can keep giving them more drugs, it's eventually going to kill them. But if you pull the drugs, it's this horrible process that they have to horrible. go through either right. way. I want to talk more about um, what you said about the risk of bringing down a nation state. And there's actually somebody, a prominent, influential person came out this week and, and warned of that exactly happening. Yeah. We'll talk about that when we get back. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin. Of course, we're talking about cryptocurrencies in this entire decentralized revolution. I'm in the studio with Nat Natalie Brunel, and we will be right back. All right. Welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies and the decentralized revolution that is happening. I'm in the studio with Natalie Brunel. You can find her at Nat Brunel on Twitter. Of course, I'm one Mark Moss on Twitter. And we were talking about, uh, before the break, we were talking about, of course, Bitcoin. But we were talking about how this game theory is playing out in real time where you have El Salvador embracing it and um, creating this awesome environment for people to come and build and invest and grow. And then you have uh, India on the other side who's kind of punishing people and taking away their ability to participate. And so we're seeing those two things play out in real time. My money's on, on nations like El Salvador. I think a free markets always win. But um, another thing that happened this week was um, <laughs> Hillary Clinton. I don't even know why she's still in the news anymore. Um, she came out and, and of course she had to echo what we've already heard from Janet Yellen from the Treasury and Christine Lagarde from the ECB. And, and basically um, she said that it undermines uh, cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin undermines the financial system. It threatens the financial system. And I was just thinking like, you know, a lot of people think that the dollar is backed by some people still think it's backed by gold. Some people think it's backed by the military. Um, we have, you know, hundreds of millions of people that support the, the financial system, the military, the all of that. Um, we, you know, the swift banking system, all the banks, all this. And they're worried about a open source piece of code out competing them. <laughs> I mean, how ironic is that? Yeah, I mean, again, I think this is just an example of how Hillary Clinton either hasn't done her homework or she's being completely disingenuous on this technology. First of all, on the Democratic side, this will empower your base that you want to be able to afford their kids' college education and afford to have a house. I mean, I think it's just ridiculous when she but, says but, things. But like, how is it? How is it being? How is it being disingenuous? Because I mean, it will. It does threaten the financial system, doesn't it? Well, but I think that. 
you know, I think that she's conflating cryptocurrencies again with Bitcoin. And, I, and if she does have knowledge about it, I don't think she's being genuine about that knowledge of how it can empower people, of how it can be a tool for right. empowerment, for wealth accumulation, for creating generational wealth. That's what I sort of mean. It's like, if you really knew, yeah. if you really understand this technology, you wouldn't be saying some of this. Um, and I, I'm one yeah. of those people that I don't want to see the collapse of the US dollar. I want Bitcoin, like Michael Saylor has said, to make the US dollar potentially more powerful than ever. They can ride on monetary rails right next to each other. We don't have to be in, in a world where we're all of a sudden crashing, you know, the dollar completely. And all of a sudden, everyone is just transacting in Bitcoin. I mean, some people believe that'll happen. But I don't know. I mean, I'm I, I am more apt to believe what Michael Saylor thinks will happen, which is that other foreign currencies collapse into the dollar and the dollar and Bitcoin are very strong. The dollar remains the reserve currency used for exchanges. Um, but going back to yeah. kind of, you know, what she said, it's like, these are the people that created this problem. These are the people that have created the bubbles. And when the economy wanted to contract, they came in and expanded the money supply more and made the problem worse and just kicked the can down the road. And now they're, they're you know, attacking the one thing that could potentially rectify some of what they've caused. Yeah. I think, um, you know, whenever you have new technology, it's, it's what's called creative destruction. And so the new way, the, the, the new creation is so much better that it destroys the old way. So digital cameras destroyed film cameras. Um, it's nothing against film cameras. It's just digital cameras are just better. And that's just is what it is. And so, um, I think when Christine Lagarde or, or Hillary Clinton says that uh, Christine Lagarde said that, uh, that uh, innovation is a threat to financial stability. Well, it's a threat to their financial monopoly. Um, it's a, it's a threat to them, their, their, their monopoly being stable. Um, but that's the whole point, right? Uh, it's a better system. And so we can move to it. So I, I mean, I do agree with Christine Lagarde and Hillary. It's a threat to the financial system that they have their grip around, um, but not um, not in an adversarial way. I don't like to think of uh, Bitcoin as an attack. Um, Bitcoin is just an opt out. It's a it's a way that I can decide to park my wealth over here. Um, but it's just it's just it's it's an open source piece of code. That's all it is. It can fit on a thumb drive, and uh, and it, and it's gonna it can it can threaten the entire financial establishment. Uh, and only because it's better, only because it, it gives us a better option. I think to Michael Saylor's point, you know, he's got a lot of uh, eyes on him and board members. I don't. I believe in. Uh, I, I believe that we should have a separation of money and state, and the government should not be able to print money at will. I think. I think that should happen. Uh, and I'm. I'm. I'm okay saying that. Um, and not. Not that it should be attack. Uh, the. The collapse of the financial system that we have today is going to be difficult for a lot of people, and I don't. I don't wish that on anybody. Um, I want to offload as many people onto the life rafts as we possibly can, uh, which is which is why we're doing it. I know. I mean, sometimes I compare this to Noah's Ark. Um, I, I'm I'm religious, yeah. so that's why it resonates with me. But it's like you know, we're trying to get as many people on this ship because the system is collapsing on its own. I mean, if if you're looking at what it will cost to live and what the dollar will be worth in the next 10, 20 years, it's a pretty scary picture. I don't. I mean, you can try to you know go ahead and play the stock market, but who knows what'll happen. I'm sure there will be a pop at some point. I just think that Bitcoin is that that arc that can usher us into this new digital era of saving and maybe kind of recalibrating the global economy on sound money. I mean, can, can you even envision a future? None of us have really lived in it, right? Where interest rates are based on price signals, supply and demand, as opposed yeah. to manipulated and artificially lowered so that you, 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 you know, you misappropriate capital. I would love to see a world like that. Like, what would it look like? Would it, would wealth 
distribution be more equal? I know that the world's not going to be, you know, perfect and equal, but I don't want it to be. I don't want to be this big blob of humanity that's all the same. I want it to be yeah. based on competition and some there will be winners and there will be losers. But I think everyone should have fair access in a free market to kind of prove themselves through their goods and services. And I don't know yeah. what that world looks like right now because the government has just ballooned bigger and bigger, bigger and intervened more. And they just, um, they, they say that it's necessary, right? But I, I see it as the, the problem masquerading as the solution. Yeah, we. I mean, it, it, we we can't we can't imagine, and we haven't seen it. But I think a, a little glimpse of that is that um, we get paid for the value that we provide. So an entrepreneur or business person um, isn't greedy. Um, they make money by solving your problem or your need. That's how they make money. So by providing value to the world. But we're in a situation today where people are afraid to go create massive value for people because the government's going to steal it all. Yeah. And the government doesn't provide any value because they just steal all the wealth. And so really, there's not a lot going on. Plus, the fiat money system has created this like generation gamble where everyone's trading cryptocurrencies and options trading, and that's not providing any value to anybody anyway. It's like a net drain. So what if we switch that to where um, people were incentivized to build value and the government was also incentivized to provide value to you in exchange for your tax revenue. And now instead of nobody providing value, the whole world was working together. Yeah. I mean, amazing things could happen. I know. It's it's amazing to think about something like that. Like that's the kind of future <laughs> I want to envision for my kids as opposed to one where we're heading in the direction of just more and more government dependency and the government basically saying that they're necessary in all these components. Well, no, I think I think the free con the free market will dictate what's best for people. And, and I, I would love to live in that world, Mark. Let's make that happen. Uh, well, I think, I think we are, you know, uh, we're, we're obviously uh, trying to usher that in, you know, as, as best as we can. I think, you know, going back to, to Noah's Ark, right? I mean, he was building that Ark for, mm -hmm. uh, was it 40 years or whatever he was building that Ark and people thought he was just crazy. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about Bitcoin for years and years and years and people think we're crazy. Um, but the, the rain clouds are starting to form. Like people are starting to see like this rain is coming down. Uh, at a previous segment, I was talking about how the fed came out with this article saying that, um, Turkey's gotten too expensive. You should have tofurkey instead. And uh, when people are seeing that they can't afford their food anymore, um, they're going to realize they need to get get into the ark, or at least <laughs> at least get into into the lifeboat. You know. Well, and this is where I get angry at my former industry because I saw an NBC report yesterday saying that, you know, here's one way to battle inflation. Just don't buy a turkey or less people will yeah. come over. I mean, or, or you know, get the tofu or so soybeans. I mean, I think it would be it's incumbent upon them to actually educate the public on what's causing the inflation and be real with people and stop, you know, just encouraging the the kind of food that fiat subsidies are basically causing us to go to which are less nutritious and our diets are poor because of it yeah well that's what you and i are here for uh to help educate people you're listening to the mark moss show we're talking about bitcoin cryptocurrencies the decentralized revolution i'm on with natalie brunel you can find her on twitter at nat brunel um at one mark moss um and that's it thanks for listening from bbc radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.